You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. But when man can let God have his way. Amen. Are you ready for the word of God tonight? Amen. Thank you, choir. Amen. We are so honored to have the General Secretary of the United Pentecostal Church International, Reverend Scott Graham, here tonight and his lovely wife, amen, to minister to us. And I enjoyed, Sister Graham, just that little window of history we were sharing back there in in my office because your roots trace back to Indianapolis, the same place, maybe even the same baptismal waters because all of my family came into the truth Amen. Under the indirect ministry of G.T. Haywood back there. And we thank God for our heritage. Amen. But we are, we are nothing with heritage alone if we don't have the anointing of God in our life. Amen. Right now. And all my life, I've grown up hearing the incredible preaching of Brother Graham. And sir, it is an honor to have you here to preach for us on this night. Would you give him a great big welcome to CTK? We want the Lord to have his way. Preach to us, sir. Well, I very much appreciate your kindness that I am profoundly blessed tonight because I owe this church an incredible debt. Um, My grandparents were baptized in this congregation in the 1920s. Brother Underwood, your first pastor, Pentecost came to my family from this church. And it was, a I won't bore you with all the details, but it was an amazing moment and an Assembly of God uh, tent revival where they were sitting in the back because there was a promise of physical healing and that service that night, that's what they'd advertise, a healing service, healing crusade. And my grandmother was battling an ear infection, which today seems as nothing, but in that day could be quite serious. And they were Lutheran from the center out in all directions. And they weren't even sure they really believed in all that stuff. But they were desperate. So they went to church, sat in the back, but they went to church. Wow, there is, and they they um, they were actually a little put off by what they observed. That wasn't quite in their wheelhouse of worship encounters. They were too respectful to leave, but too scared to move forward. And uh, at the close of the service, just waiting their chance to escape, the uh, gentleman in charge invited Brother Underwood to come to the pulpit to pray the dismissal prayer. And I, I have never personally been, I'm sorry, this is probably my carnality bleeding out here. I've never been profoundly moved by a dismissal prayer. I've been grateful for one or two. But I've never, it's never been the spiritual high watermark in my life, you know. Take us to our separate places, brother, bring us back the appointed hour, bless the food at Wendy's. But that old elder, your founding pastor, got up in that pulpit that night, and I don't know where praying stopped and preaching started, 
where preaching stopped and prophesying started. All I know is the touch of God was so profound when he prayed that my grandfather turned to my grandmother and said, I don't know who he is, but we're going to his church. And they came here and they were baptized. Paul and Anna Klepper. And that's grandma and grandpa to me. I'm here because of you. And I thank you for being a witness of truth remaining in this place. Amen. So I've, I, I'm, I just feel really blessed to be here tonight. Give honor to your pastor, his wife, family, and I'm delighted that my wife is with me. The lovely, I believe you used the word, you're correct, sir. <laughs> Smitten with blindness temporarily long enough to say I do. And here we are. It's good to see so many friends here, see folks from our Dupo days. Good to see y'all. Very special friends there in the back. Doug and Lisa Rice are very important to us. We love you folks profoundly. So good to see you. And I've done gotten myself in trouble now because I started picking folk out. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Bishop Wells, thank you for coming, sir. Honor you tonight. So many friends over here. Presbyters here. and Man, I'm, now I'm getting in trouble. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Corinthians 4 and 1 says this, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, Paul says, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, this is a tragic fact, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Paul says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. My title tonight is this, You're a Vessel not a vault. You're a vessel, not a vault. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I've got some images they're going to help me with to throw on the screen tonight, I believe. Yeah, look at them. They're so good. They are some of the heaviest and most secure structures built by man. We call them vaults. Give me the first image, if you would, please. There you go. You're so good. Literally hundreds of tons of steel and concrete that exist for one reason. The value of whatever is kept beyond those doors. Give me the next slide, if you would, please. In New York City. Yeah, somebody felt the Holy Ghost right there. <laughs> did, you, did you see that settle in? <laughs> In New York City, just blocks from Wall Street, sits a vault with 25% of the world's known gold reserves in it. 540,000 bars of gold sit behind a 90-ton steel door 
in a vault 80 feet underground cut out of bedrock. Why? Because it's roughly some $270 billion worth of gold, 98% of which, regrettably, is foreign-owned. Now, the reason for that is this next slide, because ours is here in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Four fences surround this place, two of which are electrified. Granite walls in this building are four feet thick, held together by some 750 tons of reinforcing steel. Armed sentinels line the perimeter. There is inside that place a 22-ton vault door. The whole complex is surrounded by some 30,000 soldiers who are stationed on that base. If somehow you got past the soldiers and past the sentinels and through the fences without getting electrocuted and made your way through the four-foot-thick granite walls and all the steel and got down to the 22-ton vault door, still you would have to bring with you a group of individuals, each of whom only knows part of the combination. Why? Because the bulk of this nation's gold reserves are there. They will not say how much, just that it is roughly 3% of all the gold that has ever been refined in human history. But it's not just about money. Next slide, if you would. Travel with me to Cheyenne Mountain, Wyoming. Meant to be the military command headquarters in the event of an all-out nuclear conflict. Home of NORAD, the North American Aerospace Defense Command. The men and women who work there do so behind two of these 25-ton blast doors. Watch this. Each of which has been engineered to withstand the direct hit of a 30-megaton nuclear weapon. To put that in perspective, the bomb that destroyed Hiroshima at the close of World War II would have had to have been 1,429 times bigger to break through that door. The site is buried under 2,000 feet of mountain granite. The air has to be piped in, but it is considered some of the purest in the world, having been processed for chemical, biological, and nuclear contaminants. Why? Because our command and control structures are there. Key military personnel are there. Key defense systems are regulated from there. And we have decided collectively as a nation that those things must be kept safe. You see, my brothers and sisters, that's what vaults do. They are designed in consideration of the worth of what's inside. I would pause a moment tonight to remind you that all the gold in Fort Knox and all the gold in the Federal Reserve Bank in New York does not begin to equal the value of the treasure you already have. Now, I know that's, I need a little more monitor. Don't hurt these people, but help me up here. I know that sounds like good preacher talk, but you class it however you want to. But I tell you today that Forbes may never list him, but you bring one crack addict in this place and let him come up out of the water in Jesus' name, speaking in other tongues. And that's a great, he's got a treasure more valuable than anything that Wall Street can produce. Somebody needs to hear me today when you're feeling dead and feel like you're nothing. You have a treasure that cannot be rivaled by anything in this world.
every Holy Ghost filled believer in this house. I thank you, sir. Every Holy Ghost filled believer in this house today already has placed within you greater riches than anything this world has ever seen. We got to back up and realize it that way, folks. When you feel like what you don't have, you need to shake yourself just a minute and start rejoicing about what you do have. We better get over this mindset that we don't have this and we don't have that. I'll tell you what I have. I have a record of sins washed away in the blood of Calvary. Hey, I have a resurrection power that's going to get my feet up off the ground at the first sound of the trumpet. I've got a mansion being built for me in a place where thieves don't break in and steal and rust and moth does not corrupt. You hear me? I'm feeling pretty rich tonight. I'm feeling pretty rich tonight. He put a treasure down in my life. I don't. I'm trying to be nice. And my wife is here to help me, but. Some of y'all are looking at me going. And I love it when you get some Yahoo, not you, of course that says, well, preacher, I'm just, I'm just not emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Till Saturday morning, tomorrow morning, you wake up, publisher's clearing house vans in your driveway. The dude on your front porch with a camera and an oversized check. Sir, you've just won. I think their new prize is $7,000 a week for life. When you die, you can will it to somebody. You're going to have a lot of friends. And they hand you that check. Congratulations, sir. $7,000 a week for life. They had it. They got the camera on you, and you go. I'm sorry, sir. Did you not hear us? Every week of your life, you're going to get a check from us for seven grand. Did you not hear us? Yeah. I'm just not emotional. <laughs> I don't care if you're still wearing your Winnie the Pooh house coat. You're going to go running up and down your street, and you're going to care what anybody thinks about you. If they laugh at how you behave, you're just going to say, you don't understand. I just got a treasure. I, hey, I've got a treasure. I'm trying to tell somebody tonight ain't nothing to be ashamed about for being excited in church. We have a treasure. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Did you hear what I just said? When you get up in the morning, you've got Christ in you. When you walk into your high school, you've got Christ in you. When you lay your head down at night, you've got Christ in you. Of whom shall I be afraid? I've got a treasure. I've got Christ in. And that's better than gold. And that's better than diamonds. And that's better than silver. And that's better than anything this world has to offer. Because brother God be when this treasure in this world is all gone. That treasure is.
is still going to remain. When it all burns up and the elements melt with fervent heat, the treasure I have is going to lift me out of this place. It is a treasure. It has value. It has worth. It cannot be replaced. If you lose this, there's no substitute for it. I'd just like to remind you today how amazingly blessed you are. You have a treasure. And folks, treasure has to be guarded. Certain steps must be taken when you understand the value of a treasure. You do this naturally. You might leave an old muddy pair of work boots on your front porch. You ain't leaving the keys to your new car. Why? Because one has more value to you than the other. So you treat it differently. You're walking out to your car tonight, and I'm following you out there, and you reach get your keys and pull a penny out of your, and a penny falls out of your pocket. And it rolls, as will happen, by the way, to the geographic center underneath your car and then lays down. I don't think very many of you are going belly first on the asphalt, <laughs> reaching. But if you pull keys out of your pocket and a $100 bill flutters out, you know what that means. <laughs> it means you got somebody else's britches on, but anyway. <laughs> That $100 bill flutters in the breeze underneath and settles down underneath your car. Yes. Right. You're face planting. Yes, sir. You care about your suit. You're crawling, reaching right underneath the catalytic converter trying to get back there. Why? What's the difference? Because one has value and the other does not. Watch this. And if anybody makes fun of you for your commitment and what you're doing, you just look up at them and say, wait a minute, you don't understand the value of what I'm trying to get a hold of over here. I'm just telling you, this treasure I've got's worth so much to me, I'll do whatever I have to do to keep it. You're not hearing me. However I have to live, however I have to dress, whatever I've got to do, wherever I've got to not go, whatever I've got to keep myself from, if it keeps this treasure in my hands, it's not too high a price to pay for what I found. And if you make fun of me, you just don't understand what I've got. If you think it's too much, you don't understand what I've got. When you understand the value of this treasure. No, you'll not, you'll not laugh at me for any commitment I make. The differing value between that penny and the C note is why my reaction is different. We do it intuitively. Safe deposit box in the bank. Keep things of worth in there, passports, stock certificates, life insurance policies. I never even thought about walking in that bank with a bag from Shop and Save. Need to get in my safe deposit box, please. Certainly, Mr. Graham, you need a room or just, no, nah, just throw a few things in there. Start pulling out a burnt out light bulb, melted spatula, broken shoestring. They're going to get me medical help. Look at me and say, why would you? Why would you protect that? But, but if I had an original Google stock certificate, even so come Lord Jesus, ain't nobody going to laugh at me for doing that. In fact, they're going to think something wrong with me if I don't have it in there. 
Right. So I say, if you knew what that was worth, you'd take better care of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I occasionally like to look at apostolics and think to myself, if you knew what that was worth, you'd take better care of it. Yes. And ain't nobody going to make fun of you for any distance you have to go to keep safe the treasure that God gave you. I just, I, that's why I'll never get upset when a pastor looks at me and gives me some guidelines about how to live and what to do. And he's just trying to help me keep that treasure safe. He's not being a bully. He's not being a tyrant. He's just seen enough to know there's some things that make you lose your handle on that treasure. So my pastor has to say to me, you know, I don't think that outfit's the best thing to wear. Rather than get bowed up and get mad, I'm going to walk away saying, thank God I've still got this treasure. Thank God I've still got a hold of this thing. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I can't help it. It's true anyway. I may amen myself in a minute. I'm just telling you this treasure is so valuable to me. It means so much to me. You can't run me off from the church. You can't make me mad enough to leave the church. You can't insult me enough for me to leave the church. I am going to guard this treasure. So... So hear me now. This treasure is to be guarded, All right. but it is not to be hoarded. It is amazing to understand with the incredible value of this treasure exactly where God put it. He didn't put it behind strong reinforced doors. The writer said he chose to invest his treasure. Give me the next slide, please. In earthen vessels. As you read through the scriptures, you'll find vessels of all varying worth. You'll read about vessels of gold, vessels of silver, fine copper, vessels of ivory, of brass, of iron, even of precious wood, or even of stone. But see, all those things are durable materials. They will last. Generations can pass with those vessels still remaining. But God put his treasure... In common vessels of earth, simple, fragile items made by the potter, potter's vessels that can be so easily broken, that are cheap, not durable, imperfect, easily replaced, disposable. See, I know we don't use them today. So it, it, it's, I, we don't, nobody goes to the potter to buy, well, we go to Pottery Barn, ladies, but that's different. So I needed an image to kind of help you get what I'm talking about in today's culture. So we don't use those. We use these. Next slide. <laughs> Cheap. Disposable. Replaceable. Yes. Vulnerable, imperfect, easily scarred. But that's the best representation I can give you today. See, we have this treasure, but we're just a bunch of old styrofoam cups. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 once again. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and... Not of us. See, if you came to my house 
My wife were to serve you a cup of tea. Next slide. In this, I have no doubt how the commentary would run. I know what you would say. Well, I know what you ladies would say. Some of you guys said this. I'd probably throw you out. <laughs> but you ladies particularly would, oh, it's lovely. Has it been in your family long? How many settings do you have? How old is it? What print is that? Next slide. If we served you tea in this, ain't nobody saying, have you had it long? How many settings do you have? 500, went to Costco yesterday. Was that your grandmother's? No. Saw it first day before yesterday. If we served you tea in that, you know what questions you'd ask? What kind of tea is that? Where can I get some of that? That's the best tasted stuff I ever had. Is that available? Folks, when he puts his treasure in an earthen vessel, nobody gives attention to the vessel. They give attention to the cup. treasure but I don't want the attention to be on us I want people walking in here saying that's the greatest thing I ever felt that's the most wonderful thing I ever how can I get some of that is that available can I taste that oh hallelujah after a hundred years it's not about us you said it it's not about us it's not about our name it's not about our glory it's not about having the attention on us it's about saying to this community we've got some contents that can change your life come on and get some of a simple vessel is that the focus right. is not on the vessel right. it's on the contents yes. and that's what I would bring you to here tonight that God did not place this treasure behind doors never to be seen or admired right. Right. he placed it in common ordinary vessels <laughs> so he would get all the glory I don't I certainly don't know all of you here tonight. I know a number of people here. I know all of you. The Bible told me exactly who's here tonight. All right. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. You see your own calling, brethren. How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And base things of the world, things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are wise. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Oh, I thank God for this church and heritage. My family is personally blessed by your legacy, but no flesh is going to glory in his presence tonight. It's not about the vessel. It's about the contents. This matter of serving God it's not about me. My opinion doesn't matter. My way doesn't matter. 
My ideas don't matter. My pleasure doesn't matter. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's not about the vessel. It's about the treasure. My dear friends, he placed this in a vessel, not a vault. Because he never intended for us to keep this treasure. It was meant to be poured out. What good is a vault if no one can get to the treasure? We were first married. We spent the first four years of our married life in delightful dupo. So dubbed by Pastor Bachelor. And my wife worked in Cahokia at Germania Bank. Wasn't that what it was originally called? Germania Bank. She was a receptionist, and then she became a teller, and then she became a teller supervisor. She's a teller supervisor. She had a responsibility. One of her jobs every night was to, because this is, you know, before computers, was to set the lock on the vault timer what time it would open and i don't remember the numbers but she was in theory supposed to set it for like i don't know eight hours or 10 hours and inadvertently she set it for 20 one night well that's what the customers said <laughs> when they came to work the next morning <clears throat> wouldn't open i said now baby they've got to have a way to open that vault hmm so sure the manufacturer has an override code or something. Mm. I said, oh, sure they do. Mm. She said, there's water in there. There's air in there. I said, what if somebody's there and has a heart attack? She said, we'll know where to find them. <laughs> she said, you can't, you can't open. It doesn't, no. It doesn't open. Now, the next day when the bank opened, guy came by. He and his wife, as I remember, were flying to Paris. Need their passports. Out of their, yeah, that's what he said. Out of their safe deposit box, inside the vault that could not be opened. Do you know that that man was not at all pacified by the fact that they were safe? <laughs> Sir, you don't have to worry. We know right where they are. I promise you, just the other side of that door is exactly what you're looking for. But I can't get to it. But it's safe. But I need what's in there. I know. But we're keeping it safe for you. Doesn't do me any good if I can't get to it. I'll give you another example. When I was pastoring. I'm, I'm no longer pastor. My job is full time with UPCI, but I'm a recovering pastor. What? When I was pastoring in, in, in Florissant, Hazelwood, our building, new building, was you know quite the load on us initially, particularly. So we used to have, if you're familiar, what were called truckload sales. <laughs> we would we would purchase a truckload of returned goods to Walmart. Walmart has a very generous return policy. You can bring back things for about any reason. They'll take it back. If they can't sell it, they wholesale it out, and then you can buy a truckload of Walmart goods. You never know what you're going to get. We'd get this truckload, open up, bring it all in the gym, sort through it all, repair what we could, throw out what was you know, hopelessly broken, and then we would sell it at half a retail. 
We lovingly referred to it as the cheapo depot. <laughs> so I'm walking through there one day, and I see in the sale <clears throat> a safe, a home safe. I get to reading on that box. This thing is good to like 1,800 degrees in the event of a fire. It's good to like 200 feet underwater if we ever have a real tsunami in St. Louis. <laughs> and I got to think it retail it was 200 bucks. It's half that's 100 dollars. I'm paying 90 bucks a year for a safe deposit box. I'm a fiscal wizard. <laughs> yeah, I'd buy that rascal. It's got holes from inside. You you sink bolts into your concrete floor or your basement, through those holes, bolt it down so nobody can walk off with it. And in a year and two months, I'm money ahead. And if I need something, I don't even have to go to the bank to get it. I'm a genius. I plopped down a hundred bucks, took that rascal home. Only one problem. Whoever owned it first locked that rascal and did not return the combination with the safe. I've tried. I've called the company. Do you know a safe company will not give you the combination just because you asked for it? <laughs> I tried to explain how I bought it, and they didn't understand the whole cheapo depot model. I, if you drive with me right now to my home, sitting in my garage, years later, is an unopened safe. I say, well... I might be the richest man in this house tonight. I don't know what's in that safe. There could be cash, bearer bonds, Google certificates, Google stock. I might. But I can't get to it. None of that potential pays my mortgage. So why do you keep it? Because God loves me. And I am convinced that someday at our church that I still attend, we are going to baptize a safe cracker. <laughs> and just before redemption completely removes him from his past life, I'm going to offer him a sizable percentage of whatever's in that safe if he'll just open that rascal up for me. <laughs> Got to have a plan, folks. But all I know is this, until the day that God redeems that guy, whatever, I'm, whatever is in there does me no good. I drive by it every day, but it doesn't do me any good as long as there's a wall between what I need and... God help us as an apostolic church in this day not to have people driving by constantly looking at this place saying, I kind of think there might be something in there I need, but there's a wall. You want me to be real? But there's a racial wall standing in the way. There's a just... I'm not sure they would love me. My lifestyle is not incompatible with their doctrine. I want to tell you what. I don't care what they look like, how they talk, how they sound, how they smell, how they've been living. I want them to get in here and find the treasure that I found. They don't have to look like me or sound like me or think like me or vote like me. 
See, I just lost some of you right there. I have my political beliefs just like you do, but I'm not going to meet them at the door asking them what party they voted for. Folks, it doesn't matter. They've got to get in here and get the treasure. I'm saying, God, help us to tear down the walls. This treasure does no good if we keep it inside a vault. The value of the contents is of no consequence if it's shut up behind ideology that keeps people out. As he told the 70 disciples when he sent them out, freely ye have received, freely give. No, you hear me. I'm not talking about the church accepting things that are sinful. I'm talking about the church accepting sinners. God loves them just like they are. He loves them too much to leave them like they are. But if he can love them, we've got to love them. We're not a vault to hoard his treasure. You are a vessel from which he is to be poured out freely. God intended every one of us to pour out into our church, into our community, into our neighborhood, into our world. He did not intend for these vessels that he has filled up to just sit here and hold the treasure. He wants people to pour it out in home Bible studies and pour it out in prison chapels and pour it out in nursing homes and pour it out on your job and pour it out in P7 clubs in school. Pour back into your church and pour into your community and pour into your world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to move to a close here. What good is a treasure that is carefully guarded but not utilized? Starving people are not fed because they drive by a locked warehouse of food. He did hear me well right now. He did not place his treasure in you for safekeeping. He put his treasure in you for safe distribution. He did not give Christ the King a hundred years of great heritage just so you could sit back and say, look, mighty Babylon that we have built. He intends for it to be poured out. But here's the amazing thing, and I'll, I'll finish here quickly. That, uh, that goofy thing can't cost three cents. Well, it's made out of petroleum, three dollars. Forgot they are petroleum based, but but in spite of how of how cheap that is, if I set that there, and if we could eliminate the process of evaporation from the from the equation, and you were kind enough to invite me back on your two hundredth anniversary. <laughs> The water that is in that cup would still be there. If we can eliminate evaporation from concerns, all I'm saying is, for as cheap as that is, it can hold its treasure indefinitely if left undisturbed. You see, cheap as this vessel is, it only gives out its contents under two circumstances.
either it bows or it's broken. All right. God is so desperate to get this treasure out into the world that I will either bow or I will be broken. But one way or another, God's going to let this thing start spilling out of us. In fact, I have to wonder if this whole COVID thing wasn't part of God saying, I'm going to get it outside the walls no matter what it takes. If I have to shut down your economy, if I have to mask you up, if I have to start wars and fights over vaxes or no vaxes, it may scar some of you and you may have to go to some funerals. But if I take some on to heaven so others can get ready to go to heaven, I'll do what I have to. I'm going to get you online. I'm going to get you in home cell groups. I'm going to get you outside the walls of this place. to us tonight that whether we bow or we're broken, we got to get this treasure out. Stand with me. Whatever scars you may have from life, don't resist those. That's where the treasure flows out. Did you hear what I just said? The broken seasons of your life. Become channels whereby the treasure flows out of you. If you were never disturbed, if you were never broken, if nobody ever talked about you, if you never went through a hard time, you could sit on a church pew forever and never let that treasure out of your life. But the scars that you carry, the scars that you carry, the difficulties you go through become the vehicles of ministry whereby you share the treasure. So after a hundred years of profoundly successful ministry and church growth and revival, families like mine, who for generations and in multiple states will be preaching this weekend because of you. After all that, I plead with you, let's not sit back on our laurels and present that image to the world because that image can hold a treasure forever. That one lays hands on the sick and they recover. That one cast out devils. That one comes in on Sunday and gets poured full. And then everywhere they go all week, it leaks out of them to pour out. I wish you'd throw your hands up right now and begin to talk to God about however God is talking to you right now. I wish whatever in this message resonates with you, you'd begin to make a commitment to God right now. Hey! Come on, we need a prayer beat to break out. Some of you are waiting on music or to come to the front. I just want something to break out on us right now. I'm looking for folks to be so desperate to say, God, my neighborhood needs my treasure. My job site needs my treasure. My high school needs my treasure. And if you have to break me to get it out of me, I will not backslide over the breaking. I bow to your will. I submit to your plan. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. 
I kind of wish for just a minute or two some of you just make your way up to the altar. I, however God speaks, I just wish you'd come and throw your hands up and say, God, I want it to pour out of me. I've never taught a Bible study, but that's got to change. I've never talked to my neighbors about my church, but that's got to change. I've never gone on to my high school and said, hey, can I start a Bible club? But that's got to change. I've gotten too comfortable sitting upright looking pretty on a church pew. God, break me. Break me. Break me. And pour the treasure.